break them. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. This is episode 12 of the Outsider's Edge Sportscast, second show in two days for me. I'm your host, as always, Joseph Garner. You can find me on Twitter, at Joey Jesus. Uh, unfortunately, my broadcasting partner and good friend, Wesley Colvin, is not able to make it tonight. And we've had a couple cancellations and technical difficulties in regards to some of the guests that we were going to bring on to talk a little college football and NFL. So those segments are going to be axed from the show today. I just want to say at the top, uh, you can still check my Twitter and Wes's Twitter for all of our football bets for this weekend. We'll have those posted up. I've got one going right now that looks pretty dead, I think, the Houston and UConn under. So, yeah, Greg Ward pretty much single-handedly smashed that. No worries, though, because there's plenty of soccer for us to talk about, and we've brought on a uh, returning guest, one of our favorites, uh, good old Fabian, to talk a little EPL and uh, European soccer. Fabian, how you doing tonight, man? Yeah, good, man. Just uh, glad glad to be back, like always. Starting to feel like a regular on the show, which is not a bad thing. Um, yeah, looking to, for me, it's the first, first week of the season where I'm looking to do a little bit of a bounce back. Killed like the first few weeks of the Premier League, and then last weekend was the first one where I was starting to like eat a bit of juice, some surprise results and everything. Uh, had a good midweek with the Champions League, and um, yeah, looking to get back on form in the Premier no doubt. Uh, yeah, man, it's always great to have you on, and, and I would call you a recurring guest and, and somewhat of a regular, and that would be no problem with Wes and I. We always love having your, your great commentary, and like you said, your bets have been killing it. Uh, we, we were probably all due for a little bit of a down week. I, uh, I felt that one, too. It was a down week for me in all sports, so uh, apologies to anyone who actually tailed all the bets last week. Uh, I'm looking to get some back. We've got a lot of football, a lot of soccer, and, of course, some more MMA. Uh, Wes and I did a great show last night with one Paul Shaughnessy of Bookie Beat so be sure to check episode 11 out if you haven't already. It was a solid recording. Um, Fab just mentioned the uh, midweek soccer we had going on this week. Obviously, the Champions League match day two was a, you know, uh, definitely uh, had some had some very intriguing matchups, had some interesting results. I, for one, didn't get to take in any of this action live because, of course, my work schedule is terrible and I dislike it greatly. I mentioned that off air, uh, and I mentioned it on air several times as well. Can't watch the games midweek anymore like I used to be able to, but I know Fab took in a couple of them. Uh, just give me uh, quickly some of the th- your thoughts from this weekend. I'm sorry, from this week's match day two and uh, any surprises or, or how you feel about maybe some of the wagers you placed or the futures that we spoke about last time you were on the podcast. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I mean, uh, Tuesday I was just uh, tuned into two games really. I had my Spurs were playing in Russia. And I was actually hoping that they would have like that that early kickoff because they're in Russia, but I guess that's not a thing anymore this year. So I had to watch two games at once. I had that on, and then uh, the Dortmund Real game on the TV. So those are the only two I really watched then. But that was a really good day for me, actually. Just kind of like everything kind of went how it would, more or less, from like the five or six games that I was playing. And I mean, hit a lot of correct scores too, actually, which they pay nicely if you and that you're you're in some profit if you hit like around 50% of those for sure. So that went well. I mean, regarding results that day, yeah, I mean, the the one that st- sticks out to me, the one uh, is like that Leicester 1-0 against Porto. I can't believe like the odds we were getting there because, like I said from the start, I think Leicester just really putting a lot of eggs into this Champions League basket. And, I mean, easily, easily beat Bruges on match day one, which maybe isn't that meaningful when you saw what Copenhagen did winning 4-0, but... 
nonetheless, it's still just, this was just kind of like a marquee matchup at home against Porto, and wasn't at all surprised to see that they dug out a one nil win with uh, Slimani scoring against Portuguese opposition, which was kind of cool. Like even even that, like I, I was on him anytime goal scorer, and just not a surprise. So that day was just really the games that I was looking at. They more or less all worked out how I thought they would. Um, and then Wednesday, I was just. I kind of stayed away from a lot of the action. I didn't have nearly as good of a read on it, but no doubt some interesting results and some good games. I was kind of flipping through everything. Um, I mean, Arsenal looks strong again. Atleti beat Bayern at home, which in hindsight isn't that bad, isn't that shocking of a result. And my boys, I think you, yeah, I think you said you were on that group bet. So, yes, sir. It's off to a good start. Yeah, yeah, they look good. Just so defensively solid. I, I think. I don't remember the stat I saw, but they haven't conceded at home. I don't know if it's in the Champions League or just in home in general for a long, long time. So, I believe yeah, it's that, the Champions League. I think they had a couple that, slip-ups I think early that's in the season. But I know last year, through the group stage and then the first, uh, you know, the two-tie or the, the one-home yeah. tie with I, or was it Ajax or PSV? PSV, okay, yeah. Yeah, PSV. I knew it was a Dutch team. Definitely in that they, one they didn't two concede. two nil-nil draws. Yeah, they hadn't conceded yeah. through that point. So it could be even yeah, longer. Yeah, that home defensive record is incredible. Um, Barca won, of course. They didn't cover the Brown Messi, which is something that seems to be a recurring theme. Like they, they seem to be able to pick up results with them, but but not as good as the odd makers suggest they should. So maybe something to keep in mind because he'll be out for a little bit. Mm, uh, of man. course, the big result that day was the Celtic three three against City. Yeah. Uh, big result in, in terms of the group, but uh, I mean a bit of a misleading result on paper when you look at how the game played out. So. Nothing to like worry about for City. Did you watch that game? Uh, yeah, bits of it. I was just flipping through the whole like the whole night afternoon. Now I know that historically English teams have not fared well playing in Scotland, particularly at Celtic in these type competitions. But I mean, I'm just I was very surprised by that result, especially the way they kept falling behind. You know, they, they pretty much played from behind the entire match. They did pull level several times, but in the end, obviously got a draw, and that did sort of hurt me a little bit. That's what really killed a, what would have been a huge day for me on Wednesday. Um, you know, you mentioned Barcelona not covering the spread. I was apt enough to use the money line in a parlay, of course, with Manchester City, and that was a big, a big sting for me. So, I mean, it's great for my group bet. I, I did lay the wood on Barcelona laying a decent mm-hmm. amount of juice to win that group, which will probably – that that match in itself could prove to be the difference there, as long as Barcelona takes care of business in their home tie against City. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that's a bit of a shock to me. City have looked very very strong early. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I think like I said, I think it was a slightly misleading misleading result. I'll, I'll give away some info I have for later, but I think like the on the expected goals, I think Celtic were only like projected with their like shots to score. 0.7 and they got three out of it of course one was an own goal but nonetheless it shows that they kind of like overachieved from a goal scoring standpoint in that game so i mean city's defense hasn't necessarily been rock solid to begin the year and i mean they haven't really played anyone yet but well, yeah we'll see how it goes Did i mean regarding i don't think so i think it was Otamendi and um and uh I think they play Kolarov at center yeah, back, Kol- which I've is seen kind of Kolarov like yeah. up there several times. That seems to be a a pet. Yeah, the thing Kolarov cliche. He's yeah. the new Alaba, I guess. <laughs> well, I don't not, know about not, that one, not, but well, that's how he played Alaba a bit. So I mean, yeah, not, yeah, of not, course, not, not the player, mean. of course, but yeah, yeah. that uh, I guess um, 
company's not back to full fitness yet, and that's probably something we can look at to maybe boosting yeah. that side defensively. Well, I'm trying to look here. I know when I looked at the box score yesterday that uh, I noticed Celtic hardly had any shots on target, so I'm wondering, did, did Claudio Bravo even do anything in the net, or did he just stand there and let goals go past him like he has done several times since joining City? No, he has no saves. Yeah, three shots on goal, no saves, so... Yeah, but I that, saw one. One of them was one of them was like a deflection. Epic. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about Bravo at all, to Still be honest. I don't understand but, that one. They couldn't find anybody better. Yeah, I think I don't know. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the way Barcelona recruit goaltenders. I mean, I think having Pinto at the club for as long as he was is like a testament to that. But I don't know why Pep would necessarily carry that over into like the the city job and get, I mean, Joe Hart isn't like as good as some English people make him out to be, or as good as like you would expect maybe an England number one to be. But I mean, I think, I think he's better than Bravo, but we'll see. I think he's not as good as, as he's been hyped to be. And also not nearly as bad as he's been made out to be at certain times. Yeah. But I mean, one thing we can say about Pip, I think he's, he's a little bit of a strange guy. Uh, he, he has some strange philosophies. So, Perhaps just adding Claudio Bravo to every team, you know, post-2010 now is one of those things. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Now, um, regarding the futures, um, so I had, of course, City, which, I mean, not a great result for them, but, I mean, I th- still think they're going to get through that group with Gladbach and Celtic on, what is that, zero and one point, respectively. Uh, the one I'm really excited about, just in general, is, is Napoli who were in Serie A and especially in the Champions League, just killing it. Um, they were up 4-0 against Benfica, and then just, I mean, kind of in the last minutes of the game, they probably took their eye off the ball a bit and got a bit complacent and ended up 4-2, but still a dominating win at home, which is what I was hoping for and expecting. Uh, Besiktas, they let in a really late goal, and they, they could have been up uh, to four points, but well, it wasn't that late of a goal, but but they gave it away in the second half, and so that that one sucked a bit for the big odds play. Spurs got a win to get back on track. So, I mean, I'd say the four I have are doing all right so far and just hoping they can all get out of the group. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I think that the uh, probably the one opportunity, or at least the best opportunity to play on uh, Rostov at home against PSV, yep. that was definitely a, a, a well-lined uh, match, at least if you wanted to bet Rostov. They were getting a half goal at relatively decent price. And uh, that came through. They, they actually, it looked like for a period of time they were going to win that match. So um, yeah, I mean sure. that's another that's another one we went we mentioned back on the podcast. Just yes, sir. that's uh, it's, I mean it's a team probably most casual fans have never heard of, but I mean what they did to Ajax, like it's not a surprise they were able to get a draw at home against PS PSV, and honestly looked a decent side. So wonder how many goals we'll get whenever uh, Bayern and uh, and Atletico come to visit. Yeah. It's interesting. I wonder. I wonder how much, how much of the, like the two-two here was that? If maybe they feel you know if if we're going to get into Europa League or or even try and get second place in the group that we we absolutely have to pick up a result here and maybe they they went went for it a bit more than normal. So we'll see. Yeah, no doubt. Yes, that's definitely an angle to look at. Um, yeah, let's see. One last thing before we we move on here. I. Um, Arsenal, they continue to look pretty decent, man. I uh, I tried to oppose them with Basel. I laid a little juice to get the plus two, so that ended up pushing. Uh, I think it, it to me it looks honestly like I was I was lucky to come away with a push in that. Did you did you catch any of that one or or have any thoughts there? 
Yeah, they looked they looked a far better team. I mean, the 18 goal attempts, 61 percent possession. I think two goals, and, and from what I heard on Twitter, which you know, you the the critics always come out on the Twitter. Uh, it seemed like they wasted a few chances late that probably could have pushed pushed it uh you know beyond the the Asian handicap. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, probably got probably got lucky with the push there, but. Theo yeah, I don't, I don't know what to make of Arsenal right now. Yeah, I mean, it can't have been a good performance from Basel if Theo Walcott's getting a brace. But That's what I'm saying, man. When I saw Theo yeah. score twice in the first half hour, I was like, well, fuck me, that one's over. Yeah. So I will count my lucky stars on that one. All right, guys. Well, that's enough Champions League for um, for this show. I think that the Champions League is a fantastic competition, obviously. We don't get to talk about it enough on this show. I mean, obviously, Fab and I did a pretty comprehensive preview of it, so I hope you check that out. And honestly, if you haven't checked it out, I think it was episode 8, maybe, maybe 7, not positive. You can always check us out on iTunes and SoundCloud if you want to go through our archive of episodes. Um, they're all posted there. So, yeah, I mean, even if you haven't listened to it yet, there's still some good information on those, uh, you know, that we gave for group-by-group breakdowns that could help you in betting these matches if you're interested. So, for sure, check oh, it out. Oh, yeah, absolutely, because a lot of those are kind of like going a bit how we said they would, especially just kind of in general for the group. Like some, I mean, that, um, for instance, like that Leicester at home looked back the unders, that's that's hit now once. Or, yeah, the Rostov, we gave that out. They're going to be a decent side, especially against the, the Leicester team in the group, PSV, like, there's a lot of good info in there. And I will continue to uh, beat the drum. If you're getting Atletico anywhere, you know, pick them, getting a goal, a quarter goal against an elite side, I think that's almost an automatic play, especially when they play a team like Bayern who also have a pretty solid defense. I mean, they're going to play them again, obviously, in this group. And the fact that this one ended 1-0, I think that we'll see a really tight match the second time out as well. The under will be a good backing. I mean, I took under 2.25. And that didn't seem to be at risk ever. I know Griezmann missed a penalty late, which would have made it two nil. But you know, even at that point, you're still looking at a half victory on the on the two and a quarter. So uh, I just that's Atletico, man. They play big teams. They don't look pretty doing it, but they grind out results, whether it be draws or in this case, victories at home, which is huge for the group bet that uh, Fabian mentioned that I have. Uh, so I'm definitely happy about that result. Yeah. All right, guys, so tomorrow, yes, that's Friday, September 30th, we've got an afternoon matchup in the English Premier League. Crystal Palace traveling to Everton. That will be the first match of the weekend. Uh, Right now I'm looking at Everton, minus 139 on the money line. Crystal Palace, um, if you want a half goal on them, that's going to cost you... I'm getting some plus money there, plus 127. You can even go all the way out to uh, plus one at minus 140. Total lined at two and a half um, over juice to minus 121, and the under's about even money. Fabian, you got any thoughts on this match? You know, Everton started out really strongly this season, and then we saw a pretty shocking result last week when they take, took on Bournemouth. Yeah. Um I think that Bournemouth result wasn't. I don't think they quite deserved to lose that game, but they did. They didn't do enough to win it. That's for sure. And I think looking back, uh, we discussed this off air, but it was a bit of a trappy line, and very much similarly with uh, Burnley getting a result at home to Watford, Bournemouth, uh, Burnley. Those just two teams that absolutely needed a result and really, put, I think, put a lot of effort into that those last games. And so, looking back, I think that was. That was kind of a way to analyze those games, maybe stay away. But, yeah, I mean, Everton here, 
I think it's interesting now. I think I mean technically this is a bounce back spot for them, but I want to I want to see maybe how they do now. Okay, now they've had some adversity. They uh they lost in the cup, of course, undeservedly so. But they lost in the cup to Norwich right before that uh born with result, and then they went and lost at the Vitality one nil. So so two losses in a row actually right now. So I want to see how they do first, and I'm not too too eager to back them at the prices to to get the the three points back straight away. So that's not my angle here. But for me, with with Palace, it's it's just something where if, if right now if if Johan Kabaya is playing for them, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play Palace. I'm gonna look at the overs especially. Um, if Kabaya is out of the team and they have Benteke, Zaha, Punchin, and Townsend is kind of the front four. Then, then I'm a lot more likely to back them, and I could see them picking up a result here. But if Kabai is in the team, I just don't see it happening. Even against Sunderland, they were he started the game. They went down two 0 They subbed him off, and they came. I think they won three two in the end in the last minute. So he's just I don't know what it is, but Pardew Pardew likes him a lot. But I don't know if he see, if he just doesn't see that they're not really playing as well with him in the squad. So or in the eleven. Um, I think that either way, regardless of if Kabaye plays or not here, um, like I said, no play on the side, but I think the over looks all right at minus 125-ish is what I'm seeing. I just think both these both these teams have goals in them, and though Everton's defense has looked a lot more solid with Ashley Williams at the back and John Stone's out of there, and just kind of the system Kuman plays, Idrissa Gay in the middle, I still think that the Crystal Palace can score a goal here. Don't forget that this is like, I mean... The the 2016 form line, of course, is terrible because they were absolutely awful for the second half of last season. But this was a side that was right near like the top up until last uh, December. So this it's a, it's a team that when Pardew gets them going, they can be very streaky and very good, and they can definitely score goals with that front four. So I'd look at the over here. Yeah, Crystal Palace started last season really strong. They were top six at Christmas, if I don't, if I do recall, and I may have even been top four. I know them and West Ham were both up very high, and then obviously Palace fell off a little bit towards the end of the season. Uh, I think I agree with you here. There's a lot. There's way too many variables uh, when it comes to the side here. Can't back either team, and the draw is not really something that I like to back when I see could possibly see a lot of goals. I think the over is definitely the best angle. Both teams' scores lined at minus one thirty, but I, I could see you know if, if Everton come out with a class performance and you know say Palace has the lineup that you dislike the most, if uh, Kabai is out there playing, you know maybe a three nil is not out of the question for Everton. I could see a two one three one type match probably playing out in favor of the Toffees here. Uh, so I'm going to back the over. Not too much juice delay. It's just a, a dollar plus twenty. So uh, yeah, that's what I'm seeing. Minus one twenty one over two and a half. That is the play for this game. Moving on to the early match on Saturday morning, we've got Liverpool traveling to Swansea. Um, you know, interesting start to the season for Liverpool, a team that, that you were very high on coming into the season, and I think I was too, maybe a little more reluctantly, but still definitely like what Klopp's got going on there. Influx of players seems to be working pretty well so far. Um, I don't know, though. Swansea, not a team that I'm very high on, so you would think that I'd hesitate to, you know, consider backing them here but I think a goal and a half is you know while it's juiced it's it I could definitely see Liverpool struggling but they struggled on the road at some lesser sides this year um Burnley namely and and obviously haven't been as consistent against the non-elite competition which they fared very good against under Klopp uh really this is probably just going to be a complete stay away for me the total is at three 
We've got uh, that fairly evenly lined both ways for the over or under. Just uh, threes are, are, are not totals that I like to mess with much, especially in the Premier League. I'm probably off this match completely. What do you think, Feb? Yeah, not looking at a single bet here. I, I do think um, Liverpool are decent, like decent picks to win the game. I mean, it's probably not anything groundbreaking considering they're like minus two twenty ish or so. But uh, I'm just I'm not high on the Swansea side at all. And I mean, like the the th- the one their three one loss to Man City is a lot more representative of how they're going to play against top sides than that pretty lucky 2-2 result against Chelsea. So, I mean, I still want a little bit bigger of a sample size with Liverpool um, sort of against these bottom teams. Like you said, they did they did lose to Burnley away, and Burnley have a very strong home record going back to last Christmas. But, I mean, in that game, that was another one where Liverpool didn't deserve to lose. I mean, they were by far the better team. Um, and then... When you look in the cup, they they have beat um, Burton five nil and Derby three nil, so they took care of the the lesser sides there. Admittedly, much lesser away from home. I could, I mean, I see them winning this game. It's, but like I said, it's something where I want to see how they do first. I'm not necessarily rushing out to back the handicap or anything, but I'm just until I see better play from Swansea, I'm not looking to back them in any form really. Yep, can't argue with you at all there. We're going to slide right over to uh, uh, the 9 o'clock slate. Uh, Chelsea traveling to Hull City. I'm going to make this quick. Obviously, I'm a Chelsea fan. Obviously, I'm completely and utterly devastated and embarrassed and just angered by last week's result against Arsenal, which was terrible, you know, just getting drubbed. Uh, you know, I think this is a, a spot where actually you could maybe make a case to back Chelsea on the Asian handicap minus one. I know it's juiced a little, but I think that this is, you know, probably as low of, you know, a, a spot you can catch Chelsea in after just absolutely getting hammered. And again, whole city have been beating this drum all year long. I don't think they're that good. I think they started out really hot, yes, but I think that they've already started to cool. And I think that uh, Chelsea get the win here. It's nothing I'm super confident in, and it's obviously uh, something that, you know, you got to lay a, a tad bit of juice on. So I haven't played it yet. Maybe I'm hoping it'll come down a bit. It'll be a pass for me unless I can get a better price, but I think Chelsea do win this match. Uh, so you have any thoughts on this one, Fab, or is this another stay-away spot for you? Yeah, I'm, I'm more or less the same line of thinking as you. This is um, definitely a buy-low spot on Chelsea after they were, I mean, pretty bad stretch, to be honest. And then, of course, that 3-0 loss to Arsenal kind of capped it all off in really embarrassing style. I think Conte is going to want a response. And the big thing here is that they get um, John Terry back, I'm p- pretty certain. So that's that's obviously huge huge with uh, how how terrible that Cahill-Louise combos look. Just one, especially Cahill, I think I think he's the one that has to be dropped. Or Conte maybe says, okay, so, so far Terry and Cahill, they've shown they have some sort of a partnership, maybe plays. But either way, Terry should be back in the 11, and I think that's that's key for them at this point. We just need to send Cahill and, out to the pasture. Let's just get rid of him. <laughs> Old Yeller yeah. his ass right now. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, but even then, like right back, I don't think Ivanovic looks particularly great. And I, I, he's been given the captaincy, which makes it a bit hard to drop him. But I mean, I I think going forward, like I wouldn't be surprised if at some point in the season that back line is Alonso, Zuma, Terry, and, uh, and then Aspiliqueta at right back. Which I don't. I think that might actually be the best kind of a back four that they could put together. 
Yeah, I think that I agree with you. It's tough for me to say anything uh, bad about my boy Brenna. He's uh, he's definitely etched himself he's a Chelsea into legend, history but, as yeah, of know, course, one of the but greats. But it's it, he is. It's like a Rooney for me, though. It's just like I don't know, he's just not performing nearly well enough from what right. I see. It, so, it's weird with know. him because I felt this way last year. Like after the the terrible season that we had. It's it was just to the point where, or at least at the start of the year, I just thought that Ivanovich was done. I didn't think he had anything left. I didn't, didn't want him. To see, I didn't want to see him in the lineup. Similar feelings as I had to Cahill without all the vitriol, because obviously Ivanovich is legendary. But um, you know, he's he 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 pulled out of that form. He, he started to play stellar football again, in my opinion, uh, and then he just isn't anymore. It's not quite as bad as it was, but I think that it's not going to get. Terribly better. Aspiliquet is a yeah. natural right back. I think that he'll play there just fine. Alonso was brought in for a reason. I think that that Conte sees the uh, the writing on the wall, and whether or not we go to three back, I think that if we stay with four, yeah, that's would, that's of course it's very possible yeah, too. The one you mentioned is, goes is probably the right one. If we go three center back, I think that you could argue that Ivanovic would be more effective in that role. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. He does play. He plays with the ball well at his feet. He makes good passes. I mean, he, he's made a habit. Like, when he started with Chelsea, he was pretty much an out-and-out center back, and then he ended up becoming the right back that liked to bomb down the wings and, and get involved yeah. in the attack. And he's actually, you know, I can always appreciate and respect a player that's able to, to transform their game to suit their team's needs, and he's always been able to do that, and he's always come up big. But, yeah, all that to say, I think that his, his glory days are probably behind him. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like you said, going back to the betting, um, I think I think Chelsea probably get the result here. But I mean, I don't I don't see anything regarding the total, the both teams to score, the side handicap, nothing really for me here. So another stay away. This is a I don't know if we mentioned it. I don't remember if we did it at the start, but this is another weekend where I think the second one in a row where I think both Joey and I are not nearly as confident on on kind of the slate, and it's a lot more like stay away and pick your spots really. No doubt, definitely some tricky matchups. Uh, here's a matchup coming up. It's it's not a glory, uh, glorified matchup. It's not pretty, sexy, or anything. West Brom traveling to Sunderland. Sunderland look absolutely terrible. You know, West Brom is West Brom. Pulis does his thing. I think they're traveling here. They think, okay, this is a side that we should be able to get a result against. You know, I I would, I would back West Brom pick at plus 117 that seems like a decent spot but at some point Sunderland have to make their stand like they're either going to lay down and and die this year for good like finally they're going to go down or you know they're going to make a stand and say look Moise is our guy we need to get behind him before he catches the sack this would be a great spot to do that you know uh I think the draw is in play at plus 221 that's this is always a situation where I look to back a draw I can't confidently back the under because it's uh juice to minus 150 that's on the two and a half line so it's either draw or pass for me here i think yeah um this is not i have no clue how this how this game turns out i mean it's west brom away from home so probably low scoring but sunderland do tend to go especially at home where they have to kind of dictate the play a bit more than than when they go away and especially at home to like sort of a weaker team, it's more likely to go over for a Sunderland game than it would otherwise. But like I said, West Brom is just so defensive away from home. See, I can't it's, tell you the last time I backed an over in a West Brom match. Yeah, I mean, there's just no need. or There's no point, really. And 
I mean, when when you have a team that plays so defensive, it's also it's just it's not necessarily attractive to pick them out on the like the the PK line or draw no bet because it's just you know that they're more focused on defending than they are on scoring. It's not like an Atletico where you know they they have like so much quality up top that they're always going to be a threat on the counter, which is why they can beat teams like Bayern and Barca and Real. Mm-hmm. I mean, West Brom are just I mean they have like Salomon Rondon and like Chadley and James McLean. It's it's just not a very inspiring front like just an attacking front which maybe you don't need against Sunderland but just not a match I have any interest in at all and probably one to learn from no doubt all right another uh another match from near the bottom of the table although I must say Watford's played pretty good football to start this year they're hosting Bournemouth who were able to pick up a nice win last time out uh looking at this match this this seems like the kind of match that Watford would be a good play. Uh, you know, the pick line is too too expensive for my liking at minus 150, though. Um, Bournemouth, how many wins could they possibly string together? I think they're probably one of the worst sides in the league. Maybe just good enough to stay up. That's what I predicted before the season, but uh, some of their early season performances have made me waver on that opinion a bit. Uh, I've liked what I've seen from Watford for the most part, but I just don't have a good read on this one, to be honest, and I don't have an angle really either. I, I, I don't like a bet. Yeah, another tricky one. Um, you have to look. You have to, of course, factor in that Bournemouth. I mean, they did beat a top side in Everton, and so I think that's a big morale boost. And maybe they maybe they start some sort of like a little run here because they need it. They're they're pretty far down the table. Watford, they've looked really good, and they've played some tough sides, and still managed to look pretty good even through analytics, which is impressive. But I mean, they did put in a pretty inept display at Burnley when I was hoping for a lot more of them. And I think at like plus 140, plus 135, they're pretty short. Um, at the end of the day, it's Watford, and it's early in the season, so not too much I want to back here. It could be goals. I think Watford, Watford have been pretty open this season. Um, Bournemouth, always good for overs because they're, they're, they're an open side. They like to put the ball on the ground and play. The, the one thing I'd look... The one thing I look at here is that five of the or four of the past five head-to-heads between these two, and that's of course all in recent years since they've mainly been in the same division. Um, so two in 2014, two in 2015, and one uh, this past February. All four of those five ended in draws, and I could see a draw here. In all honesty, like you said, I'm always more likely to back a draw in a lower-scoring game, and this might be a higher-scoring one. But I think plus 230 on the draw is pretty likely outcome and it seems to have had some luck between these two in the past so I'd maybe look at that yeah just uh, everything no, it doesn't all add up to me here to find an angle because if you look at their recent history outside of an outlier in 2013 you know f- uh, what is that six of their seven matches in, that have happened in the last three years have gone under two and a half and then mm-hmm. like you said four of them have been draws I just yeah, nothing I like here. I think it's best no. to pass, learn a little bit, see what's going on. Hopefully yeah. Bournemouth can uh, can find some form. You know, I really like what they've done. They're a really small club. Uh, I really like their manager. I'd like to see them do well. Yeah. Okay, now on to uh, 
in my opinion, the most disappointing team of the season so far. West Ham is hosting Middlesbrough, still searching for that first home victory in their new stadium. Uh, Middlesbrough, you know, they've left a lot to be desired, in my opinion, uh, at least for me, since I backed them to be the, you know, the top finisher of the promoted sides. I think that they, you know, they, they played pretty well in their first two matches, but looking back, you know, hindsight being what it is, those two teams that they played are not very good at all, at least haven't performed very well this season. So it's one of those things where you really don't have a good grip on who Middlesbrough are. This is the type of team in West Ham that I would expect to beat a team like Middlesbrough if West Ham were in any sort of form, and they're just not. They're playing terribly. One thing I can say is that West Ham hasn't uh, impressed me at all in their attack so far this season, and I think Middlesbrough will be more than content with a point in this match, so the under is a possibility here, in my opinion. Until West Ham get their get their ball rolling and get on the same page to even resemble something that they had last year, I can't be backing overs in their games. And uh, obviously when I look to back and under, and especially with a road team content with a point, the draw always stands out a bit. That's plus 246. I'm, I'm, again, I just don't have a good read on West Ham at all, so it's probably a pass. But if you're looking for an angle, I think the draw has good value here. Yeah, it's just another. I mean, the midday, the Saturday midday fixtures are just extremely tricky from a betting perspective. Uh, you mentioned the under, but I don't know if that's something I want to back with the way West Ham's West Ham's defenses looked. Right. At the same time, they did let the West Ham score four goals on them. Yeah, and I mean Southampton got three last weekend. Uh, it's just at the same time, Middlesbrough's attack has looked pitiful, and I mean they struggle just to get shots off. Um, yeah. It's, really tough game i think yeah i mean it's it's just hard to get any sort of like a read really on these teams it's it were you can't forget we're only six games in the season so right it's you, you don't want to force stuff here but i mean I, I don't think you're too far off with that draw call that's never a bad idea when you're when you're kind of like stuck on a side but at the same time it's, i don't want to force anything here it's, it's another just stay away now, I got to tell you guys, we probably weren't even going to talk about all these games, but the fact that this podcast had a couple, you know, things happen, Wes not showing up, and then a couple of my football guys not coming on, we just got to fill some airtime. And I've got Fabian here. He's always got good knowledge to drop, so I figured we'd just talk about them all. But as you can see, it's a very uninspiring slate. And I think, well, you know, Chelsea are playing, so I'll probably find myself watching that one. But if, other than that, I might just record it, and I think I might have found my, my day to sleep in. Might catch up on some Zs early in the morning. Uh, oh, yeah. And then uh, refuel for the Sunday card and uh, all the football. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it for Saturday. We're going to move on to Sunday real quick and cover the remaining matches of the weekend and uh, see if we can find any more nuggets for you guys. There are some, some better-looking matchups, at least, uh, in my opinion. We're going to start out with the early match, Manchester United hosting Stoke City. Real quick on this, I mean, I think United are, are a good – I'm not going to say they're a good bet because the, the line's pretty high, but I think they're a good pick to win because they play well at home and Stoke have been uninspiring so far this season. You know, you can get Manchester United minus 310 right now if you're a parlay kind of guy. This is probably your, your best parlay leg of the weekend, in my opinion, if that's if that's your, your kind of thing. So any thoughts there, Feb? Um, I'm actually looking at Stoke on the handicap if I'm if I'm going with anything here. Uh, I think you can get him around plus 1.5 or plus 1.75. And for me, it's just United. It's just They still don't look like a very good side. 
Um, I think when, when they went on that bad streak and lost to City, Feyenoord, Watford, for me, that was something that was coming. And it's just, I haven't been impressed with the way they've played. I'm not looking into a, a bounce back against Northampton in the Cup. That's that's not a result you can read anything into. Now what about a 1-0 then, bounce back against Zoria today? Yeah, I mean, actually, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, Zoria aren't, aren't a terrible side, but even even today, I think that they were parts of the game where they looked shaky the goal came off like just Rooney scuffing it and bouncing over to Ibrahimovic right at the right at the goal line pretty much so not reading to that and then I mean the 4-1 against Leicester I mean look two of those goals I think two or three possibly even were set pieces I don't remember exactly but I know two of them were um and it was just a spot where I was very very low on Leicester and very high in United once I saw they took Rooney out so it's not a result that surprised me in any way uh, I'm just I'm not reading into that too much, and for me, one of the things you have to look at here is I know Stoke have a terrible, a terrible away record to um, oh at Old Trafford. Well, not just at Old one Trafford. Second. I wanted to ask you, uh, can you tell me the last time Stoke won a Premier League match on the road? Um, I'm guessing a while ago. Yeah, March 19th against Watford of last year. So. That is yeah. not not the run that that one would brag about, and then you go go back even further. The last time they won an away game in the Premier League against a, 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 even a top ten side, I mean, because they beat Bournemouth on the road last season. You go back further, 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 further. I mean, it was it was you know twenty fifteen, it or or even later because I can't even scroll that far on the little screen I'm looking at right now. So. I just think United are in a good spot. I, I, I share all the sentiments you had about them not being, you know, all the way put together or not necessarily having found their identity. So yeah, I mean the thing, the thing though with, I mean I'm not looking to back Stoke to win this. I'm just I just want them on the handicap here. And I mean two of the last three times they've gone to Old Trafford, they did cover the plus one point five. They lost three nil in February, but before that they lost two one and three two. So they would have won both times with that. And for me, it's also just. I think now they have Shakiri back, which is a big, big plus for them. I think they're still trying to figure out their best side, but you have to you have to factor in, of course, that the post Europa League drop is definitely something real for these Premier League clubs. And United did put out a decent side today, so I mean, it's just teams always struggle after Europa League, and I think I'm pretty certain United didn't have. Yeah, they they lost to City, of course, after the after the uh, the last Europa League game they had. So there's that, and then. For me, also Stoke, they they started last season without a win after six games, and then they went on like a three game or four game win streak, and then they didn't lose, or they only lost one of like the next eight or something like that. So it's something that's happened to them just as recently as last season. So I don't think they're as bad as what these first six results maybe say or suggest. I think defensively they need to work on some stuff. I could see some. I could definitely see goals here because I'd. I'm not convinced 100% with uh, United at the back either, and I think at some point Stoke are going to start scoring. But, of course, the other thing for me here is that next week is that international break, and I think I think Hughes is in massive, massive trouble if he doesn't get a result here or just a decent performance because they're going to have like two weeks now at the Stoke board to, to discuss like what their options are going forward if they if they get trounced here. So... Keep that in mind, and of course, Stoke have been preparing pretty heavily for this game. They're going to want, they're going to feel a bit hard done by conceding that last-minute goal at home to to West Brom to to lose the three points there. 
I think I think we get a performance from Stoke, and I'm not saying they win the game or even pick up a point, but I think they can cover the plus 1.5 or the plus 1.75, where even if they lose by two goals, you get half your money back. So, yeah, not bad. Uh, definitely wouldn't be looking to Stoke for any kind of upset or anything. They've won two of their last 15 Premier League matches. I just counted that up, and it seems like they've only gotten the result, that being a draw, in seven of their last 15. A draw or better, I should say, in the seven of the last 15 matches. I just don't think it'll come here. I, I, I mean, You're right. You know, Hughes has got to get them going at some point, or otherwise he'll be in trouble. But, you know, if I do bet on United, which will be money line, I won't be laying uh, any Asian handicap. I'm I'm fully prepared to sweat the uh, the 1-0 or the 2-1, you know, the typical get your goal back late, and then Mourinho going to squat on a one-goal lead for the last 15, 20 minutes, and I'll be ready to sweat that one for sure. But I'll have slept in on Saturday, so I'll have plenty of energy and, you know, be ready to, you know, grind that out. Yeah, it's fair enough. All righty. So, really intriguing matchup. Uh, well, the next two are, and, and those are my favorite two matchups on the board, uh, one from a betting perspective and one from a pure entertainment perspective. Leicester hosting Southampton. I think that Leicester at home, definitely a good proposition here. Southampton have had their road struggles in the past, and when I think of Southampton, I think of a team that you play on at home, and if you're looking to bet the other side, it would be whenever Southampton's on, uh, you know, on the road. So Leicester also, in, to top that off, have a great home record. They're unbeaten in the last 18 home matches. Um, they're plus 124 in the money line. That seems like a nice price to me. I'll probably be on that for a couple of units. Um, I just think that while Leicester's focus is most likely on the Champions League this year and it's shown off so far in their results both in the Champions League and then some of their disappointing ones in the Premier League, I don't think Southampton are in a, such a form that they will be able to to end that little streak that, that Leicester's got going on here. So, yes, I'm aware that they could keep the streak going with a draw and then my bet would not cash. But a plus money, I think that that's a winning proposition to bet that uh, you know every time out and see what happens. Also, got to add that, yes, Southampton looked impressive against West Ham last time out, but that's West Ham, and we've already talked about how terrible they've looked lately. So, uh, you know, put into that whatever you want to. I think that Leicester are a play on here. What do you think, Fab? I'd lean towards Leicester getting the result, but um, I've been more and more impressed with uh, Southampton lately. Their analytics are pretty strong. They, they've had really good numbers against uh, Swansea and uh, West Ham in recent weeks. And like you said, I mean, those are two lesser teams, of course, but it's still worth factoring in when you dominate two teams like that. Um, for me, it's it's kind of a weird spot here because I think Leicester have had that Porto game circled since it came out on the schedule. And uh, like I said, I wasn't surprised to see them win it. But then you also have Southampton who had to travel to Israel for the game today in the Europa League. And so this is their first time, I think, in a while, t- traveling somewhere on the Thursday and then coming back and having to play Sunday. And like I said, that Europa League hangover is a real thing for these Prem teams. So you have to factor in that these are two two sides that are both kind of in letdown spots. And for me, when I looked at the first half, uh, I, just, I could see this kind of being a slowish start. Neither of these sides are like very high scoring so far. I think they have defensive solidity for sure. I don't think you can look into that the Liverpool result or the Man United result for Leicester and, to, and say that that's what their defense is. I think those are just two spots where it was made a lot of sense to go against Leicester, and that's how it turned out. So I'm not reading into those. I think both these teams are more solid at the back than maybe they are like creating chances going forward. 
so yeah, for me, it's just I think there could be a slowish start, and I watched um, uh, Leicester at home to Burnley, and in the first half of that game, that was right after they played Bruges in midweek, and it was a very like just kind of slow start to the game, and so for me, I have first half under one goal, Asian handicap minus one twenty, so for that, you're basically betting that. Like for me, the way I look at it is, it's more likely than that there's going to be a zero zero at halftime than there is, you know, like two or more goals basically. Because you get your money back if if one side has a if there's one goal at halftime. And I mean, I could very well see zero zero here at halftime. I could see a low scoring game in general. But I kind of like that the angle of a slow start. It's not a bet that I want to force, but if I want to make a play here, that's probably what I'm going to look at. I do think Leicester can can win the game, but I, I don't necessarily want to fade Southampton right now. All right, now moving on to the next game on Sunday that features Fabian's favorite side, Spurs, hosting Manchester City. The way the lines are looking on this match, I'm having a really tough time picking out a bet that I like, uh, at least at first glance. Uh, Manchester City pick, minus 143. Uh, comeback on Tottenham pick is plus 128. The total is set at 2.5. It's heavily juiced to the over at minus 130. Uh, you can get the under 2.5 plus 115 or even go up to under two and three quarters for minus 110. Honestly, if I had to bet this match, if someone held a gun to my head, I would take the under two and three quarters. It's it's a battle of Tottenham's excellent defense against Manchester City's very potent attack. And I think that something's got to give, and if anything, I think that the goals won't flow in this game, and Tottenham will look to, uh, to keep it very tight and, and maybe nick a goal to, to get that victory. But, you know, also... If I had to make an, a prediction about this game, I think that uh, my bold prediction will be that this will be the match that City uh, drops their perfect run of form to start the Premier League season. Yep, I can see that. Um, one thing that not a lot of people are talking about with City start the season, obviously they looked very, very impressive, but they haven't really played anyone yet. Um, maybe that's not too fair to United. They did, they, did be, they did beat United in the derby. But that was United right after the Europa League. Apart from that, I mean, they've had, you know, you're looking at stats against the likes of, like, Sunderland, like, Stau Bucharest, Stoke, West Ham, I mean, Bournemouth, Swansea twice. So it's not particularly, like, a, a strong schedule. And this, this is going to be a real test for their attack, especially without De Bruyne. I think Tottenham are getting Dyer and Dembele back for this game, which is just going to be massive. They're just so solid when those two are there, and especially now with Wanyam also there. The Spurs are just a really good defensive side. They got to rest um, uh, Walker midweek, and I think I think I heard Rose could be back for this also. So they could have a completely rested back four, or not completely rested, but um, the full backs, which are important. Uh, so yeah, solid defensive side. City are without De Bruyne, which is a big loss going forward. Tottenham don't have Kane. I like Vincent Janssen, but. but in terms of the hold-up play and link-up play, but he hasn't looked prolific yet, and he I don't know if he's capable of going 90 minutes yet. He's been subbed out both times. He started. So, and then, of course, I've said this from the start, but I'm, I'm not sold at all in r and attacking midfield three. Dele Alli looks all right, but, I mean, Eriksson, just, no, I'm not a big fan of Eriksson. Lamella is important for the pressing game, which helps the defense, but he doesn't, Apart from the cups, he doesn't really produce much. And then Son has been like on fire the past couple of weeks, but but for me, that's what I see. Like the way he's played some of the games prior to that, I mean, I think it's just a matter of time before he regresses and the goals aren't going to be flowing two per game. 
So for me, I like the under here. Two, under 2.75 is minus 110. Uh, it's a decent line for me. Um, yeah, like you said, I think it's more likely the goals aren't flowing so much here. I could see kind of like a 1-1 result. I do think... I think one thing we have to look at is um, that we don't have Kolarov playing center back again. I don't know about that at all. I would rather see like Ultimendi compared with Company, who might be back for this, or Ultimendi with like, yeah, I mean, whoever else really at center back. It's I just rather not see Kolarov there. So if Kolarov is playing, maybe not so high on the under, but yeah, for me, probably a one-one result is what I'd say. Definitely get up early and check that one out before placing your bet, guys. Okay, last match of the weekend in the Premier League. We got Arsenal traveling to Burnley. Uh, not an angle that I really fancy in this match, to be honest. Burnley have a very strong home record. Obviously, Arsenal have performed well historically against, you know, bottom-of-the-table type sides. Um, but, and as we mentioned earlier, Arsenal aren't a good run of form. But something just tells me that they're due for a slip-up. I mean, it, it, we've seen Burnley already trump... Uh, Liverpool this season, we've seen them cause problems in the past for, for top sides on occasion. They're always going to come out and play hard. And I think being in a standalone type of situation like this, last game of the weekend, I think the fans will be out there in force. Um, they know that everybody will be watching. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I can guarantee you this almost. I, could, I would almost guarantee that if you do decide to back Arsenal or you want to put them in a parlay, money line, and whatnot, uh, you'll probably find yourself sweating at some point, at least, you know, for there being a lack of goals early or just for Burnley maybe nicking one early and, and you have Arsenal playing from behind. I'm not trying to make a bold prediction here and say that Burnley will win. Obviously, they're 8-1 to one or almost 9-1 to one on the money line to do so, draw being 4-1. to one. But I just don't like this match from a betting standpoint. Interesting. I, I think I think Arsenal are a pretty solid, solid parlay leg here. Um, Burnley, are, Burnley have not impressed me at all, really. They're just... They just, I mean, defensively they don't look that great, and attacking wise they don't look great. They still don't have Demario Gray; he's suspended. Uh, I think Arsenal on a real like high right now, and I don't know how long it'll last. I don't know how much you want to read into you know results against like Hull City and um, Nottingham Forest, and then the three zero against Chelsea is when Cahill and Louise are at the back. So you can't. That's not like that's not a standard Chelsea side that they've struggled with. So I don't want to read too much into it. Basel weren't anything great. But I mean, I still think they're playing really, really well right now, and they they do they take care of these like these lesser sides away from home. Uh, I also saw an interesting stat that the top six, whereas last season everyone was saying that the league has become much more competitive, and you know the the mid and bottom ta- bottom table sides are or bottom half sides are just uh, very much competitive now. Uh, so far this season, the top six contenders, which We'll say City, United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, Liverpool. They're twenty-one, three and two against the rest of the league. So just completely dominant so far. And I mean, I, I think Arsenal can could win this pretty easily. Uh, I mean, you factor in that they had the the Champions League game midweek, but I mean, Burnley played Monday, so it's not like a huge, huge difference. And I, th- I think Arsenal just far better. They're on a high. They want to finish the. They want to head into the international break with this run of form going, and I think they'll do that here. I think they win this pretty. I don't want to say easily because Burnley are Burnley's home record is nothing to like look over, but I think Arsenal win this game. And for me, I think that Arsenal and Liverpool. I mean, they're both away from home, so a little bit sketchy. But uh, you get about evens on them both winning on the money line. So uh, I I kind of like that one. 
Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. I just see Arsenal, for some reason, always stand out on mine as a team that when I decide to back them, whenever they're heavily favored, that they seem to let me down. And one thing I could take away from that Basel match, uh, you know, we spoke earlier that I was probably lucky to get away with a, victory or a push in that match on my bet of plus two. Uh, I'm just not really sold on their their attacking options. I think that uh, you know they left a lot of goals in the field. Theo Walcott is is kind of the guy that they've been getting some some production from. They they like uh, Alexis Sanchez up front a bit in favor to Giroud. Whether that has or will change down the stretch is yet to be determined. But even if he's the guy running the line, I still feel like they are always capable of leaving goals on the field. They had a lot of possession. They had a lot of shots. They only managed two goals. And this is not just a one-time type thing. Yes, I know they smashed Chelsea. No, I'm not being salty. I promise. I am just looking and saying that I just don't like the match from a betting standpoint. I wouldn't be begrudging anybody for putting them in a parlay or even potentially laying the one and a quarter. I just, uh, I'm going to stay away. This this kind of sums up my whole weekend, really, when looking at these English matches. There's really only one or two that I have any conviction on. And so I've found, especially with my uh, slight struggle the last several weeks, that if I'm not sold on an absolute result, then I'm just going to keep away. Yeah, that's fair enough. So, Like we said, this is this is definitely not the easiest weekend of the of the year, so pick your spots. No, 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 not at all. So we're going to run through a couple of the other leagues real quick. We haven't really discussed which matches we'll talk about, and I haven't even necessarily looked at all these lines. Uh, honestly, I'm a bit behind the eight ball this week. And anyway, I usually start to approach Germany and Spain starting on Fridays. Just where I spend the majority of my focus on the Premier League and obviously American sports during this time of year. But one thing I do like tomorrow I'm going to keep back in the Red Bull Leipzig train until it falls off the tracks. They're hosting Augsburg tomorrow. They're minus 135 on the money line. Uh, I need a little bit of juice, maybe too much for some people's liking, but I just really like this Leipzig side. Uh, they're in great form. I think that they pick up the win tomorrow. you have any thoughts on that match, Fab, or any other uh, matches on the slate for Germany this weekend? Or, hell, you can even throw in Italy. I know you like the Italian league a bit, and uh, obviously Spain, if, if anybody wants to follow any of those bets. Um... Yeah, you said you want to go through um, Bundesliga? I mean, I'm down for anything, man. I, we're just uh, kind of spitballing at this point, reaching sort of the end of the line. So anything that you're yeah. interested in talking about, I'm interested in hearing about it. Sure. Um, I was I was looking at um, on Sunday afternoon as kind of like the marquee matchup in Italy is Roma at home to enter. Uh, Roma going forward this season are just like a fucking juggernaut. They they don't necessarily score as many goals as they should, but they're putting out crazy sort of a crazy offensive output. And Inter, they're not getting results under DeBoer right now, but their numbers are pretty solid. They they should be winning more than they are, and they especially going forward, they also they can put up goals. And as we see, like the reason they're not getting these results is because they concede enough too. I think over two point five is like minus one twenty five there. I like that one a lot. So that's that's kind of the first one I've looked at. Um, I agree with your Leipzig take. They it's, it's just a side to be on the right. I think yeah, team to be on the right side of. Um, yeah, I, I, honestly, I haven't really looked at the schedule either, so I'm just kind of going through um, Saturday on my phone here. But it's it's just one thing you want to factor in, of course, is that this was Champions League and Europa League week. So be a little bit hesitant with teams that were in the Champions League or Europa League and are playing now again at the weekend. Um, it's just these Definitely European always. hangovers are a real thing. So yeah, I can add on to that. There, there's one on Saturday that I'm I'm looking at a little bit. You can get um, 
Cologne traveling to Bayern Munich at getting two and a quarter. You left lay a little bit of juice there, minus 122. That's something I may be interested in. Or just the fact that uh, they might be able to net a goal. And Bayern has a penchant really uh, for sometimes falling behind against some of these lesser teams, leaking an early goal or, or starting slow and then putting themselves in a precarious situation where they have to thunder back late. So that over three might be something to look at as well. Um, yeah, especially because you could also – But that's just what yeah. I'm looking at. You can also take the angle there that Bayern are going to want to beat up on someone after losing in Spain and kind of like losing kind of the, the grip on the group they may have had. So there's that. Uh, what do you think of this Valencia at home to Atletico? Uh, Atletico are like, I'd say about minus 110, minus 115 to win. I mean, Valencia, of course, they've, they've, they've put together two wins in a row now under the new manager. So, and of course, Atleti have a big win in midweek. It's, it's an early, early game, like uh, 5 a.m. your time, so yeah. about 11 in Spain. Yeah, that's early Sunday morning. Or, or noon in Spain, sorry. Yeah, that's a um, that's an interesting one. And honestly, I'm not big on this Valencia side. I know they have gotten a couple results here leading up to this match. Uh, I, and I love Atletico. I've been talking about them for years, man. They they seem to get disrespected. I, I I really and I think it's just because of the sheer fact that they don't put up the sheer number of goals that Barcelona or Real Madrid do. But just for them to come out and win matches, I think that they're always undervalued on the money line. Like to me, this is more of a situation. I know that situationally speaking, they just played midweek. They played a tough match against Bayern. They squeaked that out at home. This is travel to Valencia. Um, but honestly, I think they're still a little short. I think I could see myself playing Atletico here. Uh, I uh, will keep you guys posted on that. I haven't locked anything in yet. And I'm not seeing any totals posted up on five dimes here. So that that's another kind of match that I could see an under being a potential uh, a potential play for me, depending on the price, of course. Okay. Also, I saw in La Liga on Saturday, um, Sevilla, they play at home to Alaves. Uh, Sevilla, of course, also Champions League. And Alaves is a side that I've shown... This season, they sort of have a, a habit of getting away results. And, of course, the, the big one there was at Barcelona. Uh, they play pretty defensive away from home. Now, the interesting thing here is um, I think we all thought Sevilla would be a very, very attacking side and kind of defensively unstable with Sam Pauli coming in. But that hasn't been the case at all. And, if anything, they've been an underish side, mm-hmm. which is a bit of a surprise. And the under 2.5 here is like plus 115-ish. Yes, sir. So you can get you can even play the under two point seven five if you like that better. But that looks like an interesting one with Sevilla coming off Champions League, and I mean I think the Olives game plan is going to be to set up shop at the back. No doubt, I was actually going to mention the same exact thing, and I'd even necessarily go a step further. And uh, you can get the under three at minus one forty five. I'd be, I'd, it, to me, I I don't think you, I can't see a scenario where you're going to see four goals in this match. I mean, sure it could happen. Sevilla they. Like like you said, the perception of them would be as a free-flowing, attacking-type side. Obviously, they've had to replace a lot of pieces and uh, have a new manager as well. But, you know, that's probably why you're seeing these lines being a little bit higher. I think that uh, I think that the under is a good look here, man. Uh, the, the juice on two and a half is nice. Uh, I, I might vie for the more uh, secure bet in the three or the two and three quarters. But that looks like a juicy bet for sure. Yeah. Yeah, just honestly, just like pulling up games and just kind of first instincts, yeah. looking at the prices and seeing what seems wrong. That's what I kind of picked out. I know Las Palmas has had a pretty decent start to the season. They're on the road at yeah. Osasuna, uh, even money on Pickham. 
that's uh, that's something I'm going to dive into a little bit more. Uh, I don't I don't have a good read off Osasuna from the top of my head. I had to go back and look some of their results. But Las Palmas is a team that I'm looking to bet on at spots this season. Uh, yeah, Real Madrid lane three or two and three quarters against Ibar. That's going to be a pass for me. Uh, uh, do you see the price on uh, Bilbao at Malaga? Yeah, it's a pick Bilbao has won towards Malaga, but I think Bilbao are the better side for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've won four in a row in the league. Before that, they only lost one nil at home to Barcelona. Uh, they they won in the Europa League today. They're in a really good run of form. You had a pretty good price uh, on the draw no bet there. So that's, that's yeah, exactly. Or even the at. plus the plus a quarter if you want to get a little bit of a handicap in your favor. Right. So that's possibly one. They did play Europa League and they have to go away from home now again. So keep that in mind. But it's, a, it's definitely a big price. Malaga are much stronger at home too. So there's probably a reason it's priced up like that. But yeah. And I'm sure Wesley will be on Barcelona this weekend uh, as they travel to Celta Vigo. I think that, uh, and honestly, I think that it, the price isn't terrible. I know Celta Vigo aren't a, aren't a bad side at all. The fact they played today as well, and uh, it could somewhat of a quick turnaround. It's never easy to prepare for a Barcelona team, even without Messi, and the goals can still come. I think that that, uh, that minus one and a half is juiced to plus 120. Or I'm sorry, not juiced. It's, uh, you're getting plus money at plus 121. Uh I think that they might be parlay-worthy this weekend or that playing that Asian might be not out of the question. Uh, I'm not I'm not necessarily um, going to always go digging for those kind of, you know, laying the juice with the big favorites, but I think that uh, I, I just like this Barca team a lot, even without Messi. I know that you've got a different opinion about the Messi or no Messi yeah. effect on and for me also. as far as covering spreads and whatnot, but this seems like a decent spot for them. I think haven't they? I'm going to check with you, but I'm pretty sure Celta Vigo is a team that usually gives them problems. Mm. Well, I mean, okay, the the most recent meeting, the Barcelona won six one, but I mean before that, Celta beat them four one, and then prior to that, Celta have won one, drawn one, and then Barcelona have won the other three. So that's I mean that's Celta picking up points in in three of the last seven meetings, which isn't. Which is for for a La Liga team against Barcelona, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, Celta Vigo at home, they've fared fairly decent against Barcelona, I'd say. Um, it seems like Barca certainly get the better of them whenever they're the home side, which that's to be expected. Mm-hmm. But you know, just an interesting angle, just from the the point in the week that we're getting this matchup, and I do think that. And this is just my opinion again, guys. And I know Fabian disagrees with me most likely, but I think that books adjust. Probably a little more than they should for the lack of Messi. I think that we're still seeing the results. Uh, and, and to your point, though, about the spread, maybe it'd, it'd be better to use them as a parlay leg than to lay the one and a half. But that's, that's my fair, yeah. I think that they win this match. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to back against Barcelona win a game. That's a smart long term. But, yeah, definitely definitely not as high on them to cover these kind of like the minus two Asian handicap. I'm not going to be looking at that when Messi's not on the side. So. Yes, sir. Well, that about does it for what I'm looking at this weekend. If you got anything yeah. else, uh, okay. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure we'll find some more as the as the days progress. But yeah, I just that's just kind of like first looking at the slate. Um, haven't really paid any attention to it so far. I've been busy this week, and of course, with the European or European action in midweek, it's not as much time to break down the weekend stuff yet. So, 
Absolutely, absolutely. Well, guys, that's been the show. I hope we got uh, enough tidbits in there for you to make some decent wagers this week. And I know that uh, the England card was a lot of passing. But you can always check out my Twitter feed at Joey Jesus. That's Jesus with a G. I'll have all my bets posted up. I'll start posting some of those tonight, actually, and uh, and they'll trickle out through tomorrow evening and into Saturday morning. Fabian will have his as well if you're interested. Uh, he's always down to talk sports, soccer in particular. He's a great follow for sure. Give him a follow. He's at Fabian underscore H underscore underscore. Don't forget yep. the underscores. So... Uh, Fab, before we get out of here, uh, you got anything else to, to say? What, what you're looking forward to this weekend or any uh, anything you got going on that's worth mentioning to the listeners? No, nah, nothing special. Probably just uh, rehash what we the point we made a little bit during the show is that this is not, at first look, the most appealing uh, Premier League slate. Uh, you have to factor in that this has been like a, a period of a lot of play congested fixtures because if you go back a few weeks i mean you have league then european play league cup games league european play and now another round of league games and at the end of this they get a break because there's no action there's there's international play next weekend so it's kind of like the last hurrah here a little bit for some of these sides and you have to maybe be a bit more wary about what kind of performances you're going to get from what sides like if some of these managers are in big trouble, you know, Guidolin, Hughes, uh, yeah, the Moyes. So just uh, maybe expect some big performances, maybe expect some letdowns with all the fixture congestion. This, like we said, not the easiest weekend ever. Uh, probably one where you want to pick your spots and, you know, you don't need to force a bet on every game. No doubt wise words from the man, Fabian. And he will definitely be back on the podcast, guys. We enjoy him as a regular guest, as we referred to him at the beginning of the show. All right, guys. Well, as always, check us out on Twitter. The podcast is at Outsiders Edge SC. Even though he did not grace us with his presence tonight, please follow my friend Wesley Colvin. He's at True UK Fan, uh, and that is not the country or the uh, United Kingdom. Rather, uh, that is actually the University of Kentucky. He is uh, bleeding blue as we speak, and always will be. So definitely be aware that college basketball season is right around the corner. So if you do follow Wesley and you don't like Kentucky basketball, you may find yourself taking the Matt Golnick route and actually blocking him slash muting him for the majority of the season. <laughs> but if he doesn't listen to the show, he'll never know that I said that, so we'll keep that on the DL between us. Anyways, guys, download the podcast on iTunes, uh, SoundCloud. I always post a link to Twitter with the downloadable link for those of you who don't have that uh, the Apple device, which seems to be fewer and fewer of you these days. But I do that for you guys always. Anyway, that's all I got for today. Enjoy the stuff this weekend. Soccer, UFC, football. Have all the best posts on Twitter. And until next time, guys, peace out.